Hey, everybody, welcome to my niche podcast about the one thing that I'm pretty much an expert on, game shows, I suppose. Uh, No, we're not doing match game today. Uh, We're doing another game show instead. Um, one that had a copywritten song, which hopefully doesn't get this taken off iTunes. Anyway, uh, it's our last episode 2018. We're going to start off 2019 in the right direction by still having a podcast about game shows. Um, before we get started with today's episode, uh, we got, we got something to discuss real quick here. Uh, as you know, game shows have existed this year. Uh, just quickly, off the top of my head, uh, America Says premiered. We also got to see 25 Words or Less uh, debut before showing up next year in 2019. We also got to see a few other ambush game shows. We got to see a revival of two classic game shows, Double Dare and Deal or No Deal. And uh, there's still lots of weird classic game shows being created here and there and everywhere. And and it, it's a fascinating world and time to be in game shows, and I'm glad that this podcast is existent for me to talk about them. Um, we just do it one game show at a time now. Uh, but before we get started, uh, 2019 is coming up, and that means it is time for mid-season premieres. If you don't know what mid-season premiere is, basically Sweeps Week happened, and now we're introducing the spring and some shows just falter and, and they get canceled. Other times, it's just, here is the rest of the shows that we've recorded, and this is just filler shows before we lead up to the summer, which is mostly filler shows, i.e. game shows. Anyway, so let me get started with listing off some of the shows that are coming out in January. Uh, January 2nd, uh, which is next week, is the premiere of The Mask Singer. Uh, you know, it's it's basically an American version of the Korean and Chinese uh, singing competition series King, uh, King of Mask Singer. Only this time it's with uh, Jenny McCarthy and Ken Jeong and Nicole Schlesinger and Robin Thicke. You know, when I think a good music competition series, I think those people. I'm going to give it a watch. I bet it'll be funny. Nick Cannon's the host. He's hilarious. Uh, also, uh, Project Runway All-Stars Season 7 on Lifetime, as well as American Beauty Stars Season 2. I've never seen that show. Uh, also, Guy's Grocery Games is coming back on the Food Network. January 3rd, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is Havis The Titan Games, also known as 1v1 American Gladiators. Finally, another athletic competition show that I have to watch and probably critique and give quick quick review. I don't know if it'll be next week, but... I'll definitely be talking about it. <clears throat> also, January 6th has the second half of season 10 of Shark Tank. And Food Network has Worst Cooks in America. January 7th, Bachelor season. Eh, America's Got Ch- Talent, the Champions uh, on NBC with Terry Crews as the host. Uh, and Kids Baking Championship on the Food Network. January 8th is the premiere of two game shows, Ellen's Game of Games and Match Game. Uh, that's right, Alec Baldwin is still the host. Uh, and Ellen's Game of Games will still have Ellen and Generous. 
January 14th is Common Knowledge on the Game Show Network, a premiere of an original game show idea. So I can't wait to watch that because I'm always fascinated by new formats and new ideas, even if it just happens to be on Game Show Network, which means hella cheap. But it's hosted by Joey Fatone, so it's not all bad, right? Joey Fatone? He did the singing bee. Um, and then Temptation Island will be on the USA Network. That's right. We're finally seeing a return of Temptation Island, originally a Fox reality show, now making its way to the USA Network on the same day. Also, Paramount Network on January 17th will have Lip Sync Battle, followed by, in the month of January, Celebrity Big Brother, uh, also known as Baby's First Reality Competition Show. Uh, just before we get to the Big Brother uh, episode, uh, usually there is a good parallel with reality competition shows and game shows for good reasons. A lot of these reality competition shows are just physical challenges, and then instead of prizes, it's, you know, basically a, a, a reward or a twist that gives people safety in an elimination competition. So Big Brother, uh, it's basically a, a, a physical challenge-based game show where the prize is safety, rather it's being the HOH or being the veto holder. Other than that, it's all about the strategy in the world's biggest green room in the form of a Big Brother house. More on that when that episode shows up. But this is the New Year's episode, and I figure it would be great if we can do something that would remind me of one of the bigger events that come out of television here in the New Year's week. Ryan Seacrest hosts... New Year's Rockin' Eve with Dick Clark. Even though Dick Clark is no longer with us, Dick Clark hosts of many game shows, including It Takes Two and The $100,000 Pyramid. Ryan Seacrest is also a game show host. He has hosted numerous game shows, and there's a big countdown clock. So when I think Ryan Seacrest in a big countdown clock, I can only think of one game show. And that's tonight's episode. We'll be talking about the Million Second Quiz. It is September 9th, 2013, and there's a brand new game show on NBC, the National Broadcasting Channel, and it brings us to the Million Second Quiz, created by Stephen Lampert, uh, who is a producer famous for such various shows such as Wife Swap, Faking It, The Secret Millionaire, Undercover Boss, and if you're in the UK, Gogglebox. Uh, this is, he is one of the bigger... Uh, television producers of its time, usually coming up with great reality documentary series and, and stories about uh, con like basically people as characters. So he usually comes up with ambitious shows, and I don't know how it came to be, but his idea was Million Second Quiz, a hybrid game show reality show. I think his original idea was probably getting contestants into a house and have that game last a million seconds or, or something or another, but it, it became, I'm assuming, he went to NBC and pitched Million Second Quiz, a game show that lasts a million seconds, and NBC said sure, and he didn't know how to format it. We'll figure that out in just a bit. If you don't know what a million seconds is, it's 11 days, 13 hours, 46 minutes, and 40 seconds. So, it's hosted by Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest, your favorite uh, DJ of American Top 40, or On Air with Ryan Seacrest, 
uh, host of a famous singing competition show called American Idol. You might know that from This is American Idol. Uh, but this is not Ryan Seacrest's first rodeo in the world of game shows. Ryan Seacrest has hosted a variety of game shows, uh, including which Gladiators 2000, a children's version of American Gladiators, and Click, one of the first Merck Griffin shows to come out in the 90s, involving computers. Click, click, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Click, click, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. I gotta probably find a way to get, like, an in-credits version of that song, because it's just so trippy. Um, anyway... So Ryan Seacrest has been known to host game shows. So when approached with the Million Second Quiz, I'm sure he said, I don't know. But if I get executive producer credit and a shitload of money, well, then I might do it. And thus, he became the host of the Million Second Quiz. Now, deep breath here. I got to get through some other factoids of the Million Second Quiz. First off, uh, I, I... the theme song, uh, I mean, they did have its own intro theme song, but the one that's most prevalent in the introduction sequence to Million Second Quiz and in promos was Icona Pop's uh, song All Night. That was what was playing in the beginning of this episode, uh, which would make sense if you hear the lyrics from Icona Pop's All Night, make the wrongs turn right, we can do this all night because the quiz will always be going on so it makes sense um other lyrics you know we dreamed about this better life felt coming all along yeah all along keys open paradise basically referring to i believe by whoever decided to pick the song as an intro theme song in the minds of a contestant as to why they would be in in this show um it's it's a really tricky show to explain because it partially this is why a lot of people uh, did not continue watching. It's a very confusing format, ultimately, uh, when it comes to understanding a game show that lasts a million seconds. All right. So, deep breaths. Here we go. <sighs> One more. <gasps> All right. Second produced by Stephen Lampert, Eli Holtzman, and David Hurwitz. The Million Second Quiz was positioned at a live multi-platform television event, which Lampert dubbed the Olympics of Quiz. They would help to promote NBC's lineup for the 2013-2014 television series season. The series was cross-promoted through several NBC Universal properties, and NBC broadcast a live primetime show for each night in the competition, except for September 15th, due to a Sunday night football and a two-hour finale. Using a mobile app, viewers would play the game against others and potentially earn a chance to appear as a contestant during the primetime episodes. Outside of the primetime episodes, the program is also webcast throughout the competition by means of the Million Second Quiz app and NBC.com. Okay. So, here's essentially the groundwork of the show because I have to break it down in very minute sections. And it's minute every minute. It's really tough. All right. It's essentially a King of the Hill style show where one person is sitting in a money chair. The money chair uh, takes up $10 per second uh, on the show. That meant that it would be things like um, uh, $600 a minute. Uh, I believe that's $36,000 an hour. And if you sit the full 24 hours, that's $864,000 a day. 
the money accumulates at a constant rate, even if matches are not being played. That means in the event that we have to wait for another contestant to, to take the hill, you're still making money. In the event there's a commercial break, you're still making money. Got it? All right. It, it, it gets even more confusing than that. So if you're sitting in the chair, you're making money. But you're not actually making money more on that later as well. Okay. So it's a 1v1 competition that has two different variants. We'll start with the simpler one first. The one that is most often played, but it wasn't on television. What made this an ambitious show was the fact that it was a million seconds. That means the duration of the entire game and the game show is one million seconds. Follow me on that. It's a million seconds long. And it only aired on an app on phone, which also had a game app, which also was ambitious because at the time, not a lot of video games had a cross-promotional app at the time. A million Second Quiz was one of the first. Um... Which, which I guess also adds to the ambition that comes with it. And in that app, too, that came with the game was a live streaming platform for you to watch the online game as it unfolds. The online game was 24-7, except, well, I guess it wouldn't be 24-7. It'd be more 23-7 because they never aired the television games ever on the app. Uh, this is due to the fact that, uh, well, NBC wants you to watch NBC. They don't want you to look at the app. Also, New York feeds and West Coast feeds, they couldn't figure that out either because they wanted the people in the West Coast to still be in the airing and running of the million second quit. It is so confusing why they, it's a mess up on the behalf of NBC when it comes to this 24-7 app. Honestly, why didn't Seacrest just do two shows, one East Coast, one West Coast? It would have made a lot more sense. But maybe they didn't want to explain it because the TV rules get even more complicated. All right, so internet rules. Internet rules, here we go. So one person is sitting in the money chair and making $10 a second. There is a challenger from a big line looking to take out the person in the money chair. The way they do that is they have to score more points than the person in the money chair in 500 seconds. 500 seconds is 8 minutes, 20 seconds. Okay, follow me on that one. So what they get is a question with four possible choices. And this is your everyday, anything from easy to mild to difficult questions. And it could be pulled from current events to basic trivia questions that you would see in any single pub quiz to real trivia uh, anything from uh, what U.S. state is known as the Sunshine State to which character in the Batman universe is known as Nightwing. Why, yes, that was a question. I saw it in person. All right. I didn't see it like in person in New York, but on air, I, I heard. Anyway, so the set is in a Mer an abandoned Mercedes-Benz parking garage and parking lot. On the roof of that is a giant hourglass frame with a few display points and a minor audience thing. Below it is, this in the underground garage, is two minor studios. One is essentially the Subway Halfway House, more on that later, and the other is this, is in the event of like a rainstorm or weather permitting, 
an indoor uh, version of the same set, complete with money chair and, and challenger podium. So, uh, within the 500 seconds, every correct answer is worth one point. After 500 seconds, whoever has the most points wins. They both answer the same questions at the same time. Ryan Seacrest is not, of course, asking the questions for 24-7. That would be weird. So, there was a constant a time period where every, like, six, seven hours, a new host would show up to read the questions off. Some were more energetic than others. So you had some people that were perky enough to go, it is currently 5-6. Next question. Two people who are just... Which city in Texas has the highest population? Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, San El Paso. Okay, the answer was... So depending on the time of day, you never know. In addition, the contestants never in the chair rarely got breaks. They couldn't really eat, but they did get water. So it was also an endurance competition. I don't even know if they have a bathroom break. I was trying to do that research while looking on here. Also, a bit of research that's tough to find is really any episodes of the show. Despite the fact it was lasting 11 hours, not a lot of recording ep- of the show airs. There's a lot of um, hosts They've read and had their uh, hosting reel include the Million Second Quiz online. There is a few clips of the finale and a few clips of earlier episodes when a contestant showed up. Anyway, we're going online. So online is 1v1, one point each after 500 seconds. If If the person in the money chair has more points than the challenger, that person gets to stay and keeps the bank. If the person is the challenger beats the guy in the money chair, well, the money chair stops the clock, not the million second clock, just the money chair clock. And if it's more uh, than any of the other four people playing that day, uh, they, they get to stay in the subway halfway house. Otherwise, they leave with nothing. That's right, folks. Only the top four people get to win any money on the million second quiz. And we can do this all night. So, a challenger beats the person in the money chair. The money chair resets at zero. The quicker he sits in the chair, he gets $10 a second. So we got to hurry this up and get in our purse and answer as many questions as we can. 500 seconds on the money clock. Keep this going for roughly 23 hours. While people in the subway halfway house are basically get to play along, but more on that later, or they're falling asleep, or they're watching television, uh, it, it's a it's a spooky zone, and apparently it was very cold, and they got to eat Subway sandwiches during the entire run, so hey, win-win there, you get, you know, a sweet onion chicken teriyaki while answering questions about the Ozark. Uh, a- anyway, so that's the online segment but then television airs seacrest is here seacrest in and that means it's time for the television version of the rules so whoever's in the money chair at the time of the television round uh gets to be in the money chair at the start of the show the tv rounds are played a little different than the online rounds uh for starters it's played with three different games there's the challenger round 
the line jump around, and the winner's defense. So, in the challenge around, it lasts five minutes. Just five minutes, that's 300 seconds. Every question in this round has a challenger. The challenger is someone from the line. That means the next person that was going to be in the online version was going to be in the TV show. And the rules are a little different because it's 300 seconds now. That means that questions are worth one uh, of every 100 seconds, the score changes, which means instead of one point per question now, it is one point for correct answers. However, if you are if you think your opponent doesn't know the answer to the question, you can hit the doubler and force them to answer it for double the points. But be careful. They can always double back you for four times the points, and you have to answer the question, or they get the points by default because you didn't answer the question. Well, yes, it is double their rules. They can double as much as they want during the bout. But uh, they have to be careful here because if they don't have enough points, they can't catch up, it ends. After 100 questions, it's now two points per question, which means two, four, eight. And then in the final 100 seconds, it's three points, which means three, six, 12. Whoever has the most points at the end of the 300 seconds gets in the money chair, which just to remind you, uh, is only good if you get the top four amounts. Otherwise, you don't win any money. Okay. That's that's the first round is the is is the is the challenger. The second round of the game show with the person, either the person who already beat the challenger or the new person in the money chair, is a line jumper. A line jumper is a contestant that was pulled from the internet and flown to New York so they can play on today's show. Before we reveal who's going into the line jumper this time, we have to have a fun video where we announce who next episode's line jumper is by having someone from a local NBC affiliate knock on their door and say, hi, come with us. You're going to be on a game show where you're probably not going to win money, but you're going to be a contestant on it. It's not exciting. The line jumper does not get to stay in the line. They're straight up the next challenger in the show. Of course, casting permitted. Uh, the person who is the highest score on the Million Second Quiz app, once again, encouraging people to download the app and watch the stream, which is tough because you either have to watch the stream or you have to play the app. You can't really do both. But who am I to question this great format? Anyway, so the line jumper goes against the money chair champion. And whoever, and in this round, it's one, it's uh, 400 seconds. Uh, it used to be five minutes in episode one. Now it's 400 seconds, which is six minutes, 40 seconds. Of course, Seacrest can stop the bout clock every 100 seconds to do a commercial break. And if you haven't figured that out yet, why yes. That means when it's a line jumper, the line jumper person can can double even on a four-point question, which means one, two, four, two, four, eight, three, six, twelve, and then finally four, eight, sixteen points, which means the points once again add up. Oh, also I should point this out. Uh, if at any point there's a tie with points, either in the online bout 
or on the TV bout, a tiebreaker question is asked with whoever answered it the fastest winning. If both contestants answered tiebreaker question wrong, the contestant who accumulated the most money uh, wins the bout, which means the money clock guy wins. All right, got that? All right. So, after the line jumper and the challenger, it's the exciting, thrilling winner's defense finale. In winner's defense, whoever... Uh, oh, there, there's two versions of it. We'll get into the one that's according to the wiki page. We'll go by wiki rules in this one. The winner's defense bout features one of the top four players who have accumulated the most money in their bouts. Remember, only the top four people get to keep their money. Uh, those players live next to the hourglass in winner's row. They'll try to survive there until the million seconds are up. But our contestants can displace them by accumulating more money in the winner's defense. The current power player, someone with either the most money of the four, which was episode one, or the one who answered the most questions during the course of the show, they play along with the game, chooses one of the four players currently on winner's row to face the player currently in the money chair. They can either choose themselves, because then they can build up more money, or they can play a little strategy and sabotage one of the other three people into challenging the person. And if they lose, well, they lose their money as well. Isn't that great? Um, the winner of that claims both players' total winnings and takes or keeps the money chair. While the loser is eliminated, in episode one, the power player is the player with the most winnings. In episode two, Onward is the player who had the most percentage of correct answers during the day. Money chair challengers and players eliminated, but not displaced from winner's row, lose any winnings they have accumulated. Eliminated players, including players displaced from winner's row, may try out again and possibly win their way back to the money chair. That's right. They can just go back in line and play again because it's not like they got a lot of people to cast on the show. So they can go back multiple times, three, four, five times even. After the live show goes off the air, an additional bout is played under the online rules. So when Seacrest says, hey, we'll see you next episode for the Bailey Second Quiz, he gets to read off a 500-second online 1v1 one-point game. Did you figure that out yet? So the winner's defense is the only time real strategy is played with the champion in, in the top four seat. Either can get more money or force someone to lose. And the person in the money chair could go from one game with no money to getting over $300,000 because they deceited someone who started day two. And this could be the last day. We don't know. So that, that's essentially a million second quiz uh, when it came to the show itself. But there's more twists I got to explain. So it's the finale episode. And the million seconds are now coming to a halt. We're down to our last 20 seconds or 30 seconds. So Seacrest tells the audience to do a big countdown a la New Year's. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year, game show. And thus starts the big finale. Where if Ryan Seacrest promised, the winner will get the biggest prize in game show history. So, it becomes four different bouts in this two-hour finale. It starts with 
the winner, uh, it starts with fourth and third place because it's only the top four gets to play. Uh, and they face off with the 400 second clock. Once again, with the double ups and all that other stuff. Whoever wins that goes on to face whoever was in second place at the time with another 400 seconds on the clock. Then we move on. Whoever won that bout takes on whoever was the top winner in the million second quiz for 500 seconds. The final 500 seconds of the million second quiz. And whoever won that bout wins a bonus $2 million. So... As you can figure out here, the, the rules got a little complicated, and that's a different rule break, and it goes on from there. Anyway, so, in the season finale, Andrew Kravis defeated Brendan Saunders to win the grand prize. Seacreston announced that Kravis' total of $2,326,346 would be increased to $2.6 million. This made him... The biggest regular season winner on a single American game show ever, surpassing Ken Jennings's $2,522,700 run on Jeopardy in 2004. Why, yes, someone on the production staff did probably realize, oh, $2.3 million is not the biggest prize in game show history. We have to hike it up a bit. So that's what they decided to do. We... Now I got some fun facts here. Andrew Kravis is was a contestant on Jeopardy in the team tournament in I believe 2002. He was a semifinalist and won five thousand uh, dollars. In addition, he was also a contestant on Wheel of Fortune College Week. Well, yes, they're all game show nerds. He, everyone who watches game shows is pretty much a game show nerd, one form or another. Andrew Kravis was the winner of his million second quiz and got two point six million dollars September nineteenth, twenty thirteen. He does a lot of puzzle-solving things. His uh, person he challenged in there, Brandon Saunders. Brandon Saunders is also a game show nerd. Why, yes. I uh, We are going through with a lot of these people. Brandon Saunders uh, was also on a teen tournament and won $10,000 as a semifinalist in 2008. He also appeared on 500 Questions on the May 26, 2016 episode. But he wasn't able to eliminate uh, someone who was also a Jeopardy contestant. He was a contestant who wants to be a millionaire on 2016 and won $43,100 when he did the shuffle format. And he was second place on the million second quiz, going up against his and their friends, Andrew, and won $339,416. To make things even funnier, he was also a contestant on Go 90s reality television show, The Runner. So everyone's linked together in game shows here. Uh, that's what makes this so fun. Andrew and Brandon also had a game show podcast. I should also throw that out there, uh, which is kind of fun. They talk about trivia and quiz, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I hope they continue doing it, though. I enjoyed listening to it. So Million Second Quiz had like 3,000 different versions of a format. So audiences were confused. Uh just so I can remember, the online version, 1v1 at one point each. The TV version had three parts. It was the challenger, the line jumper, and the winner's defense, where the challenger was someone from the line, the line jumper was someone who did good on the trivia section on the app, and they just got called in by a local NBC affiliate within 24 hours. And the winner's defense is whoever had the most money or whoever got the most questions right in a single day 
having to choose between themselves or someone of the four to go against the person currently in the seat to dethrone them or have them take all the money that's currently in the winner's defense pot. Then we go back to the finale where it's whoever's in fourth place goes against someone in third place and they take their money and then they go after whoever's in second place and then whoever's in second place or third place or fourth place in that, in that second to last battle goes against the champion who had the most money in a final 1v1 face-off where they get all the money and $2 million, which would theoretically make it the biggest prize in game show history, but as we figured it wasn't, so Ryan Seacrest just amped up the pot so it's $2.6 million. <sighs> It's confusing because there's a lot of things you have to understand, such as the Subway Halfway House, which is not even called the Halfway House. I'm just calling it the Halfway House because you don't know if you're going to even get any money, and you're sitting there, and you could be waiting for like 12, 13 hours. You can be away for days and tell your people, I'm off work, I'm going to be on a game show, it's going to be great, and then get kicked off because someone put you on the winner's defense, and you lost. <sighs> there's not a lot of confessionals, and it's all proc placement for Subway. In addition to that, because it's NBC, NBC really loves synergy. So it's Ryan Seacrest saying, here's a late night with Jimmy Fallon's Jimmy Fallon ask a question. Here is the Today Show's uh, Matt, Matt Lauer before we found out what happened to Matt Lauer. It's, it's not, yeah. Million Second Quiz uh, also had a Chinese edition on Hunan television, September 30th, 2015. Uh, the only winner of the show got a total of roughly $170,574. That's, that's the show. Um, it's a million seconds and the TV version is different from the online version. And if you're in the audience, you're watching, you can play with the questions at home. And if you get the most points, you could be a line jumper. Of course, it's also a sweepstakes entry. But more on that in a bit. Because it's all because the ways they got to the line jumper was points. But if you got the most points, that never necessarily meant you're going into the line jumper thing. Because uh, various things imply, such as a casting notice and filling out a form, such as your usual game show casting thing, such as what's your occupation, where do you live, what would you do if you want a lot of money. And the casting people had to choose accordingly from that, too. In addition to that, uh, it's a little tough to juggle between watching in the internet version and playing on the app as the app also watched the live stream. So the only way you can play the app and watch the current million second quiz game, which is kind of the whole point of the whole thing, is you have to have both a computer and a smartphone. Rather, it's an iPhone or Android. And the iPhone and Android versions both crashed prematurely a lot of times in fact the app crashed first week but when the show was supposed to be big it yeah not good so you have to watch on the computer the million second quiz game then you have to go on your phone to answer questions that are not the same on the in the in-game million second quiz but one's also written by writers there has got to be probably like maybe fifty thousand questions asked I, I have to throw, I'm just throwing that number out there. It's probably much higher, much lower. I don't know. But you had questions in the in the million second quiz online game that were asked. Then you had questions asked on the television series that were in video or by Seacrest. Then you had questions that were in the app that were played by people online so they can get the line jumper. 
that there was three different games going on at once. And they're all different rules. The online game was like the first, it was like 10 questions. It was like 10 points if you're right. You don't get any points if you're wrong. No double backs, none of this. But then it's like the next three after four were like 20 points. Then the last two are 30 and then 40. And it, it, it just kept ramping up and it was very confusing, the scoring on that. And it wasn't like the more points they were, the more difficult the questions were. It was all RNG. And some of the time, the questions even repeated themselves. So it's a little confusing. I remember playing the app and got asked a couple of questions that repeated themselves. So it, 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 something was not right when it came to Million Second Quiz. And there's a lot of fault that comes with this game, such as uh, trying to get audiences to understand the rules. And the television version was not really explained well. They never explained what Winner's Defense was what the double and double back is. They never really understood what was the point of Winner's Row and the Subway Home. And it, and when I mean Subway Halfway Home, they lived in like little cubicles. Like like imagine like these four tiny train cars, like barely enough to fit in, like probably five feet by five feet boxes with maybe a sleeping bag in it. Not even like fine thing. Next to a giant Subway <laughs> logo that says Million Second Quiz Subway. And and them, you, have to, you have to have them force them to eat a sandwich on air because Subway would get angry if they didn't get their product placement. And you had to have uh, make sure that there's a lot of NBC synergy. So you had to make sure they were watching uh, MSNBC or CNBC at the time so they would understand things. So, hey, this question's for three points. Here's Mad Money's Jim Cramer. Hey, guys, it's me, Jim Cramer. Booyah! Uh, what is uh, Harley Davidson's stock symbol? Is it HD? Is it Hog? Is it bmx or is is it dav and and it's the show it's it's by way hog but it's it, it's such a frustrating show and even as a game show guy it watching it was a little confusing and i did not care for it but i still watched it because i figure it's a million seconds long maybe something good will come out of it it did not not much so the reception was okay day one was september 9th 2013 and that made 6.52 million viewers the next day 5.83 then 5.17 and 4.16 then 3.97 then 3.03 and that was at the biggest dip day six but then day seven showed up and it was 3.59 it grew but then September 17th, day 8, it was 5.22, a huge jump up, to then day 9, which was 4.87, to the finale, which was 4.95 million. Less than 5 million people watched the show. Uh, only days 1 and 2 was it ranked number 1 on television. Uh, the rest of the days, it was 3, 2, or 4, if you're talking the middle of the thing. Uh, the finale was the third ranked show that day. And this is all based off live and same day viewers. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I'm going to read some wiki article here about the reception. Uh, just because I, 
not that much else I can explain. There's not a lot of footage and me to explain storytelling and all this. The Million Second Quiz received negative reviews from television critics, and ratings went down over time. Its premiere and finale were seen by 6.2 and 4.9 million viewers, respectively, but fell lower in between. The ratings were generally seen as poor. TV Week described the show as ratings-challenged, and while NBC president of alternative and late-night programming Paul Talagy was satisfied with the debut episode's ratings, Michael O'Connor of The Hollywood Reporter described it as a ratings disaster. O'Connor attributed the poor ratings to the show's confusing format and also quoted a network executive as saying, I don't know how much worse it can get. Well, maybe there should be more Subway ads. I don't know. Jeez. Um... <clears throat> The New York Times' Mike Hale believed that the general failure of the series was a result of its unclear format. Hey! <laughs> you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir, buddy. The banal subject matter of many of its questions, citing examples which range from American history to the name of Kim Kardashian's cat, the fact that second-screen interactions with game shows were not a new concept, and that the show and its interactive components were not convergent enough, it broke, and you can't watch and then play at the same time. <clears throat> Well, you, I mean, I think the online version, you could play the same questions on the TV episode. I think that was doable. I don't know if that had anything to do with the line jumper, winner's defense, or any of that, but what, 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 what it's an app, and it broke sometimes. It, it's a second screen experience. That's what they were all about. Second screen experiences. Variety's Brian Lowry argued that NBC was a little too desperate to turn the Million Second Quiz into an event, and also stated, having watched the opening 2,600 seconds of actual Million Second Quiz content, hey, wake me when it's almost over. Speaking from experience, it was not that exciting. I watched uh, the, the online version, and they went to the, like, the Mercedes-Benz parking garage indoor stage with the little timer, and... It's like, that's not Seacrest hosting it. It's someone else. What gives? And oh, no, he's not there all the time. Which like, no, duh. He's a busy man. Writing for the AV Club, Sonia Soriaya felt that the Million Second Quiz, in contrast to other major reality shows such as Big Brother, was a hyped show about hype that was so deeply flawed and so universally unpopular that it is not going to remain in anyone's memory for long. In this wildly expensive future, it's possible to see so many of NBC's flaws all in the same package. I mean, she is not wrong here uh, because I think that the biggest flaw of NBC, and this is still going on right now, is its necessity for synergy. We need to have stars of NBC shows on our celebrity game shows. We need to make sure we can plug Universal Studios, Hollywood, Universal Studios, Florida, and all the theme parks. And at no point do you really get uh, its its own universe. It seems like NBC Universal wants to create like a universe within the universe, and they still have this old school mentality of like 1970s, 1980s television, where much like Disney and ABC. Uh, it is just like, hey, folks, look, from Saturday Night Live, it's Leslie Jones. Hey, look, everyone, it's Amy Poehler from Parks and Recreation. Who's that at the door? It's Steve Carell from The Office. And be sure to tune in to a brand new My Name is Earl after this episode of Fear Factor Celebrity Edition, featuring stars from your favorite NBC sitcoms. 
things like why else was there a fear factor live there's no need for a fear factor live at universal studios but hey nbc universal they have the rights to the show why not <clears throat> I'm, I'm just getting a little too angry uh, right now at something that's nothing to do with the million second quiz um in addition to that let me keep going here uh it I, it is in my memory though that's why it's in this podcast uh however she was pleased the show's production for featuring contestants who were friendly and relatable rather than chosen for their representability which i guess i can say as well because million second quiz except for the line jumper really did get not that many woo 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 fire alarm contestants as we have spoken in the last few episodes such as take it all in one versus 100 a lot of the casting for these shows relied heavily on energetic contestants for the sake of being energetic woo 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 meanwhile million second quiz actually did get like anyone who was willing to wait in line and and basically fill out a form and answer a few trivia questions like that's it that's pretty much all you need to do do you understand trivia where are you from okay play the game that's it Digital Spies, Patriona Whiteman, doubted the series would be able to retain viewership. Even while I sort of enjoyed the first episode despite myself, I, cannot I can't imagine becoming obsessed with it to that extent. Is there really enough there to sustain that kind of interest? Well, I mean, like, the TV show is different from the online version, and the online version is very dry. So no, not really, but hey, you're on to something here. Writing from a non-primetime contestant's perspective, Seth Stevenson, a journalist for Slate, personally took part in a nighttime slot and was critical of the show's handling of contestants, revealing production assistants whispered that a few contestants who had pounded five energy shots in an effort to stay alert, because remember, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., the show is still going on. Uh, had been registering terrifyingly rapid resting pulse rates. Stevenson also added, I stumbled out onto 11th Avenue at 2.15 a.m. this morning, two calendar days after my internment began, and hadn't won any money. I had met Ryan Seacrest, and my unhinged story interview will now live in NBC's video vaults for perpetuity. Perpetuity. In any and all media formats now existing or ever to be devised throughout the known and unknown galaxy. At least I'm pretty sure that's what the release said. I'm still too amped up on five hour energy to be sure. <laughs> oh, that's that's depressing though. And you know the thing is, I, I think that is going to be common with a million second quiz show because they were going for a reality show game show thing and they didn't know how to structure it. I think they were originally, and this is where we're getting into the fun zone. I think the original intention of the Million Second Quiz was somewhat to be just a quiz-based game show that lasts a million seconds with a few contestants. I don't think the money chair came into play until much later. Same with the format. I think they really wanted something that was, let's get the quiz people and these trivia experts to be like reality show contestants and have stories and have strategy in mind and confessionals of how they knew things. So when it came to how do we split this up, yes, there's the money chair person, and I think that is just 
bizarre. But I think they really wanted to focus on this winner's defense and the winner's row and have that be its own thing and its own story. Because now you have four people and someone's going home. and it, Or someone's going to be in the money chair again and get the lead. And you need to have the lead because if you have the most if you're in the you're the top four you get money and if you're in fourth position you're most at danger because someone sitting in the chair can have an amazing streak where they're sitting there for four or five hours beating 20 people and they're going to beat you and then you have to get out of the house with no money so so there's this level of paranoia which i think is supposed to be part of the show but never really explained so they couldn't really make a reality show or a game show or even combine the two for that matter. And what they created was something that was a format nightmare. So if you're doing a game show and it's straight up trivia and that part is okay, the the double back, double round, I'm on board with that. I even like the idea of the questions being from today's current events. So like... What city did the president travel in? Who's the current this? Uh, what is the biggest thing? What was the movie that was the top this week in the in the charts? Things like that. What was the top 100 Billboard song this week? That, that is some good trivia questions because it was current events. And I appreciate that. However, there are some problems that also come along with that. Because if you're in the money chair... If you had a streak of four or five hours or six hours, you don't have access to the knowledge that someone waiting in line has or the people in the in the winner's row who are watching television or reading a newspaper get to see. So they are kind of have to guess randomly. If something happened two, three hours ago while they're in the chair for the last two or three hours. So everything becomes new to them and they have to give wild guesses, which doesn't really make the show fair for them. I appreciate the idea, though, of current event trivia questions, but it doesn't really uh, even things out if you're in the money chair or you're the challenger going after the money chair. In addition to that, I think the only the top four people winning is kind of lame, to say the least. Like it, it, It's not that exciting because what that means is if you're seeing someone on the internet version it won't matter in the later part of the show when everyone's on winner's defense and they're making four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. That means that the person in the money chair has to either stay a whole like day and just keep answering questions, or they have to survive enough to be in the TV show and go into the winner's defense and beat the guy who's going up in the winner's defense. That doesn't make exciting television if you're watching the internet version, which is a major gripe I had watching the show. The internet version doesn't really matter until there's been a streak that's big enough that one or two games could be enough to knock someone out of winner's row and get kicked out of the subway halfway home. Uh, that's, that's, there, there's nothing exciting for the viewer except for play along. Now, the good thing with the million second quiz is a whole lot of play along. The questions are on screen. The questions are online. You have an online app. So much play along. And that is really good. That is a big pro with the million second quiz. Seacrest, also a good host. He kept the show moving. 
Those are two really good things. However, the con is everything else. From the rules to the double backs to the online game not being the TV game to the to the winner's row and the winner's defense and this halfway home, none of that worked. And I, I, I it, it's confusing. And if you haven't watched the show and you haven't like figured out the show, you have to explain it to people. And if you can't explain the rules of a game to an audience, you don't have a good show. Like, tic-tac-toe is just tic-tac-toe. Like, you get three in a row, you win. Like, that's it. That's all you... Hollywood Squares, it's tic-tac-toe. Three in a row, you win. Million-second quizzes. Well, every 100 seconds, the points go up, and then after that, it goes double, but they could double you back unless they double-double back, in which it's four times the amount, and if you don't answer correctly, they get the point. It, it gets confusing, and it's not worth explaining that over and over again to new people that I think that's possibly why the show failed. Uh, before we get into how I would reboot it or revive it or make it good or a, a good throwaway, uh, I have to give a shout-out to my friend Cindy Seidelman of Game Show Garbage, uh, who wrote an article about the Million Second Quiz. Apparently, it was the 2013-2014 Patrick Wayne Award winner. Patrick Wayne was the host of Tic-Tac-Doe in the, in the 90s. Uh, here are some choice comments she had to say. One of the bugs that I have is the overarching aspect of the money chair. Uh, as well as making sure people go, don't believe the hype during the live stream after the fourth game, the show takes an 11 minute break. That wouldn't be bad, but the money chair freezes at that time as well, meaning the max someone could get paid off in the chair is around $30,000. The important thing about the chair is that the top four money winners throughout the competition when the millionth second ticks off gets to keep their cash. So that lost $6,000 could have meant the difference between entering the top four or not being able to cash in on hours of hard work in the chair. What also gets me about this is that part of the game is rendered meaningless when the TV show has their winner's defense round, but we'll get to that later on. The next bug is the gameplay. The app format was straightforward. But wouldn't it have been overtly exciting if it were directly ported to television, seeing how it could lead to anticlimactic finishes if by question 10, the leader had a 40-point lead. So now the execs had to take the app format and make it TV readily. And of course says it's a, you know, rip off the double there. Want to know it's also lazy, the format for the live stream. Uh, they took the format used in a TV show and stripped away all the drama and intriguing bits of the TV format. Instead, the contestants pay a 500-second game. Basically, who knows more if each question will be worth one point. This leads to some battles being anticlimactic when a contestant has a good-sized lead with about 80 or so seconds to go and the other contestant has no way to catch up. Personally, for me, I would like at least some consistency with each of the platforms. Either make the livestream format like the TV format or give the livestream format something that could make it so people could catch up. I mean, that is a good pro. Cindy nailed it there. Uh, if you can't just do who knows more and do that one point each on the main show, why not have the every 100 seconds the points go up on the internet version? So at least there's some consistency there so people would understand when the bout clock every 100 seconds, the point goes up. I understand that. That makes sense. But the real reason why I actually also put up the game show garbage thing is because Cindy basically got a whole lot of people to read contestants things and i think this is the biggest gripe that came with the show is contestant horror stories so i'm going to re read all of these horror stories 
but please uh, check out gamesregarbage.com for for the big article and more reasons why because she's hilarious and and i appreciate it here is uh, some of the questions <clears throat> here are some horror stories i want to read after a contestant interview and pre-test on september 4th 2013 i got paperwork from the casting manager casey stravitz I filled out and returned the paperwork on September 9th, 2013, and I got another email asking if I knew any of the writer's researchers. Well, I do, but, so, so, but more on that later. Uh, I knew I was hosed, and I was honest and told Casey who I knew. She told me to come down anyway. Oh, so she told the truth. I went down to the hourglass the next day, filled out the paperwork again, and was honest about my relationship with four people on staff. I mean, I know a lot of people on staff too and i'm right now saying how bad the show is so i'm gonna lose a few friendships over this because this podcast anyway i signed the affidavit stating i did not have any conversation about the game with them at any time after waiting a while legal took me aside and stated i was not eligible handed me a stale subway sandwich and shuffled me out the back door where no potential contestants could see me here's another horror story it was, without any hint of reservation or distress, the single worst experience I have ever been through in my entire life. To add fuel to the fire, the producers fed us an ample supply of coffee, soda, energy drinks, various snacks, and Subway sandwiches in order to keep our energy going. Which may sound good on the surface, but unfortunately for me, one, I'm sure Subway is good, but I don't like cold cuts, and two, Yom Kippur began that night, and I'm not allowed to eat anything for 24 hours but I can still have fluids. Long story short, I'm amazed I did not contract type 2 diabetes that might from all the sodas coffee. And don't even get me started on the product placement for Subway that we had to invoke on the web feed. The Subway logo had to be everywhere or else we might have violated one of the 672 million legal releases we had to sign. It's as close to being a whore on 42nd Street as I ever got which isn't that far-fetched because this took place on 41st Street and 11th Avenue. <laughs> I love New York. New York, you're a great city. <laughs> uh, eventually, after taking God knows how many rounds of quizzes, written tests possibly being rejected because I did not have a so-called exciting personality despite having a high IQ. I mean, IQs are meaningless, but whatever. Uh, I was dismissed from the audition at 3.30 a.m. Saturday. Arriving 12 hours earlier that Friday due to the waiting time limit running out. Surprisingly, the whole audition process can be later explained in this article I found. The only difference between me and him is that he eventually got into the money chair in that process had I continued. And I continued, it sounded like it was bordering on refugee camp territory. Oof, refugee camp. This was before the ice raids, folks. This was 2013. This is not... All right. Also, the article linked is the Slate article we talked about earlier uh, with the with the five-hour energy drinks. Afterwards, because the first drive home didn't leave until 8 a.m., I had the unexpected thrill of wandering around Manhattan for several hours at a time when every convincible kind of crazy person makes their appearance. Thankfully, McDonald's is open 24 hours, so I bounced around from one spot to the next around Times Square. But again, because of Yom Kippur... All I could have was iced coffee to stay awake, so I was starving as well. I'm honestly amazed I never suffered a diabetic stroke from all the sugar I consumed that night. Altogether, I had gone a total of 28 hours without any sleep, eventually crashing when I got home at 10 a.m. Saturday and just woke up at 4 p.m. that same day. 
I don't think I'll audition for a game show for a long time. At least Millionaire was an easy-in, easy-out process. This is simply unfit for human consumption. And if the ratings for the show were any indication, I think the rest of the nation would agree if they went through what I did. So let's talk about the other side of the coin. Oh, that's the... Cindy kept ruining that. <clears throat> um, okay, Cindy concludes with, to say this is a giant bomb of their proportions would also undersell it. Critics slammed the show for being too confusing. Lean Hollywood Reporter to quote one NBC exec saying, I work here and I don't even get how it works. Shouldn't that be a key to it all? If the exec doesn't know how the core gameplay works, then how could Joe or Jane Q public? Uh, that's, that's a funny bit. Here's the concluding part. This is the second or third last paragraph. Whether TV executives like it or not, game shows are about one thing first and foremost, the game. When the flashiness of a set overshadows what's happening on that set, the game show turns into a sculpture, a pretty object for which one can expect no movement or consequence. As a lover of this genre, I long for the days when thick games, dynamic intellectual activities with substance and intrigue were the norm. However, until another major paradigm shift occurs in the fabric of television programming, game show fans may find themselves stuck in quite a few more hourglasses. That's a good conclusion. So... Uh, here's something I did enjoy I did enjoy the money clock I enjoyed the questions and and current events if I was to reboot million second quiz there would be a whole lot of changes Uh, first of all I think what I would do is I would make it so it's it's essentially a king of the hill style show I, I don't really want a money chair anymore uh Although it is a King of the Hill format where if you're in, where it's, you get four contestants and you just do the finale as the show. I think the finale episode where fourth beats third, beats second, beats first makes for a good show. So if I was to make a million second quiz revival, I would make it so it's like a 24 hour game show where contestants keep answering questions to fill in a bank and these are like $100 per question or $50 a question something very low where if you get it right you get the money you get it wrong you lose the money and whoever got the most money gets to be the king of the hill when the 24 hours are up and this is all played online so you can watch this live stream when that 24 hours is up we move on to the live show which is going to be the main for broadcast air that main broadcast air is going to be basically what's been going on on the on the finale episode where the fourth place contestant takes on the third place contestant whoever wins that round takes their money and goes on against the second person in a head-to-head battle whoever wins that goes on against the main person whoever is in seat number one for all four people's amounts. So it's four people enter a house and answering trivia questions, and at the end of 24 hours, one of them will win all four amounts, which could be tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how you play it. That person that is the winner, I don't know if you want to do a recurring contestant or you just want to end it. Uh, Myself, I think what you should do is, like, strip this. So it's a Monday... Or, well, no, it wouldn't be 24-hour then, because then you have 25-hour. 
You'd make it so the first four winners then compete in the final fifth episode where it's all four of the best winners and you just amp the money. Something like that would be an interesting way to do it. Uh, what well, would make 20, what then you can call it like the 24 hour quiz or uh, the all day quiz, all night quiz. <clears throat> something something that, that involves like it's four contestants in the house and you can make it like a small apartment. You, if it's New York, like besides like the police and Times Square. Like, apartments in New York are famous. You can treat it like the circle, where all four contestants are in four separate apartments that are paid by NBC. They could watch television shows. They can read newspapers. They can do all this stuff. But, like, every ten seconds, there will be a question, and if they don't answer it correctly, they don't get the money. So they got to make a decision at every point in their game of when to stop. Uh, if they have to eat, they're going to probably lose out on time. If they're going to the bathroom, they're going to lose out on time. You can either make it every 10 seconds, every 30 seconds, every minute, or, or something where it's like, uh, it's every 100 question, every like 100 seconds, or it's a thousand dollars, uh, a question, but the money ticks down. So it's 10 seconds to answer the question. Like you don't know Jack rules. Something like that would be an interesting way to do this. If you're doing $10 a second, why don't you make the questions worth 100 bucks, and it takes down 10 seconds, so you have to keep answering to build up your bank. Because the faster you answer, the more money you make, uh, and whoever has the most money at the end of 24 hours uh, gets the final advantage of going last in this big final head-to-head competition thing. And all the questions could have current events going on that week, or, or that day, which I enjoy. You don't need Seacrest for that. You don't need a real big hourglass to it. You can have this be a, a dramatic like room, like a Final Four room competition, or they're all played in the same apartment complex because you know you get the four rooms. And then the when the 24 hours are up, they all meet each other for the first time at the rooftop. And it's like that big New York skyline because that's the coolest thing about Million Second Quiz was this grand view of New York. And you saw everything. You saw Empire State Building. You saw on the corner over here like the Statue of Liberty. It was so beautiful that you can redo that and cheapen the show just a bit and have a gimmick that still works with the context of you're doing part reality show, part quiz show. That Why not, if you're going to do a Million Second Quiz... Make it so it's four contestants per episode, and you can already get your backstory on these people, which is, I guess, what they really wanted was backstory. They wanted fun characters, and you just set them in, like, isolation pods and hotel rooms, and then you have them answer these questions, and you can have it on a television screen or on an iPad or have it so it's like, like, what is the game show contestant house look like? Is it like very, it's like, is it a game show looking room with like LED lights everywhere? Uh, if you answer a question correctly, does the entire room turn green? If you get wrong, does it all turn red? Something like that would make for an interesting way to do things. If you were going to do like some Subway product placement, you can then like ring ding dong, hi, I'm Subway. Here's the sandwich you wanted. Things like that could have easily been done. And instead, I think what happened was the name came first, 
and the tagline came first and nothing else. Million second quiz, a quiz that lasts a million seconds. It's a hybrid reality show game show. Well, that doesn't really do much. Actually, think about that. I kind of like the idea of each question is worth like 100 bucks, and you have 10 seconds to answer it. And if it takes down $10 a second, it's like, if you're thinking about it for like four seconds, the question's really worth like $62. So every question really does count and it does add up. I kind of enjoy that now that I think about it. That would actually make games really cool. So then it's like, then they can see like how much money they have, but they don't know how much the others have made. Or if they're the only ones that got it right. Something like that would be amazing, actually. Whoa, now I think about it. This is actually turning into a cool show. I would watch this. like Because it, cause at one part, it's like Big Brother, where you know there's the live feed online, where you're watching four different screens, and it's like the four rooms scenario, where there's like camera one is facing one contestant, camera two is facing another contestant, camera three is facing a third contestant, camera four is facing a fourth contestant. If they take a nap, they can. But but you but then there's like you can do your, your snooze you lose like cram kind of tagline, it works uh, because then you can have current events and everyone is fair game because all four of them have the same access to television and newspapers that it wouldn't be bad, and there's no real money chair to speak of because they're all in their own theoretical money chairs trying to build money. This would actually work. Wow, I actually am kind of like having one of those train of thoughts like, whoa, 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 this is actually pretty cool. Um, and then if you wanted to be a contestant, then you can have this live app to play along with the show. Answer the same questions in the 24 hours as these people. And if you get the most questions right, uh, you could be a contestant. Something like that would work. Because uh, then you can have like an audience favorite be one of the four for the next episode. And it could be something like a weekend event. Like it starts Friday morning and then the, the finale show is on at like 11 o'clock. Of course, it would be against Saturday Night Live now I think about it if this was NBC proper. But something like that would make exciting. Plus, you wouldn't have to exhaust the casting producers and have a line. You, you could really just put these people in a production office like you normally cast people and then you can get all your favorite walk of life people and if you want the woo 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 people you could if you want people who are smart you can if you want personable people you can and and it's basically a 24-hour game show so it, even if you're not the best reality show contestant and you can't really do your conflict it makes for you can have your whole talk to yourself or talk out loud the questions because if you have a game show and it's in four separate rooms and you have no one else to talk to it, it could make for the conflict to work even more where you're just talking to yourself you're talking out the question you're like oh shit or yeah happy or something like that because they're going to be known they're on camera they're they're going to know they're online and all they know is you need to have the most money at the end of 24 hours based on these trivia questions because that gives you the humongous advantage of going last. Because if you are the person who has the most money at the end of the 24 hours, you only have to beat one contestant to take everything. Versus someone who is the weakest at fourth position or third position, and they have to climb up the, the final three bouts. And the final three bouts could play by million-second quiz rules. 500 seconds... First is 100, then 200, then 300, then 
you know, 1.2.3.4.5 point. And that's the only time that the game changes slightly is instead of the money taking down, it's points go up and whoever has the most points win. And as the points go up, the double double back can be brought in if you want to have that. So so there is a bit of strategy in play, which I enjoyed. And, and, and you can still play on the skyline. You can still have current event questions. It would make for an exciting show. I don't even think Seacrest was that bad of a host on this. I think it's just it's, it's hard to convince people what the format was. And it was hard for people to get involved with the contestants. And they were trying to go for something it wasn't. A hybrid game show reality show. Because you didn't really care much for either the contestant in the chair. Because you knew they weren't going to win any money. And... You didn't care for the people in the halfway home from Subway because they could be knocked out next episode. So everything was a change of place. You create, you can't create any characters if you're doing a reality show. You can't create any drama because it could all go away next episode. And you didn't really bring an incentive to watch the internet show near the end. That, that something has, has to be fixed. I, I don't think the show was ultimately as horrendous as it was as there is some sprinkles of good things that came from it the second screen experience is still okay people playing games is fun the play along is still out of this world the set was cool the new york skyline is cool secrets was a good host it really was just the format itself and the way that the internet version is means nothing the winner's defense is ultimately the game breaker and that even if you even the game show, even if you won the game the biggest cash prize in game show history they had to inflate it to 2.6 million dollars just to say they could like it makes no sense and and that is just frustrating but i like the countdown and i like seacrest and i can't think of a better game show to talk about than million second quiz for new years new york seacrest countdown clock everything there it's good and now we move on to the pricing game spotlight. Today's game is Bullseye 1. Bullseye 1 was a game where a contestant was asked to guess the exact price of a brand new car, being told higher or lower if they guessed incorrectly. They had seven chances to figure this out. The premiere date for Bullseye 1 was September 5th, 1972. Tape day, 0012D. You're out of order. September 6th, 1972. Play on the turntable. Contestant was given seven guesses to deduce the exact price of the car and win. The audience was shown the price and asked not to say anything about it during the game. Beginning on the third taped playing, aired September 12th, uh, number 0022D, Contestants were given a $500 range in which to bid. This resulted in the range being given on its second and fourth playings due to the show's taping out of airing order. On the game's fifth and final playing, aired September 14th, number 0024D, the contestant was not given a range and was dead told that the car's price had been rounded to the nearest $10. Despite its short life, Bullseye underwent one set change. Uh, the first game to do so... On its two tape playings, the second being aired September 5th, originally scheduled to air September 8th, the list of guesses remaining was on white on white. 
uh, making it hard to read. Beginning when the third taped playing aired September 12th, this was changed to light blue numbers on a dark blue background. Additionally, the price tag graphic was given a hole on the left side beginning on the September 12th episode. Here's some fun stuff. Retirement. Bullseye has the distinction of being the first pricing game to be retired due to being too hard to win. In fact, on its five playings on the daytime show, the game was never won. The closest anyone has ever come to price was $1 away on September 8th, 1972. Aired out of order on September 5th episode. The price being $3,621, with the contestants found guest being $3,620. No one. The concepts of the game to narrow down the price of an item layer became the basis of Double Bullseye, another short-lived pricing game, which was the only pricing game to guarantee a win. The successor, Clock Game, features the same goal, but instead of a seven-guess limit, the contestant has to guess the price of two prizes within a 30-second limit. A new pricing game, also called Bullseye, was introduced in 1976 with completely different gameplay. This is the first retired pricing game to lend its name to an active game on the show, the second being balance game uh that's all the facts you can get uh all five times it was played all five times it was lost and it was basically what's the price of the car three thousand dollars higher three thousand three hundred dollars higher three thousand four hundred dollars lower three thousand three hundred fifty dollars lower three thousand three hundred forty dollars lower three thousand three hundred thirty three dollars higher three thousand three hundred thirty seven dollars higher three thousand three hundred forty two dollars bomb 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 that was it that's your game it, it it's tough to win a car and you can't play long because you've already seen the screen uh the audience can't scream and and offer suggestions to the game as well and while well, he can say higher or lower, Bob Barker, there was not a lot of tension other than, you know, you're one number away and you have, like, this is your last guess. But that's that's it with Bullseye 1. Like, there's nothing much to talk about except for how difficult it is in seven guesses. Did they practice this game before they played it? Like, someone gave a random car prize and told one of the producers to play with it? Or or it, why is it seven? Why couldn't it be 10 guesses? Why couldn't it be 12 guesses? Was seven just because of timing reasons to say higher or lower? Or I, I don't know. It, it seems to me like Bullseye is just a game that's <clears throat> borderline unbeatable and unplayable. I know uh, Big John PC Games uh, had a Price is Right game, and he put that in there. But the way he formatted it was seven guesses. And it was like, we'll tell you it's between 22,000 and 23,000. And you had seven guesses. And it's still borderline unplayable and unbeatable. Um, it is the first game to be retired, which means this is the first game we get to actually play the retirement horns, which is just the Price is Right Fail horns. Take it away! It's dead. The game is dead. First of many fail pricing games that we'll be talking about on the show. Bullseye 1 is an okay game. But if, if it wasn't for Bullseye 1, there wouldn't be the clock game, an infamous game that's played on the prices right to this day. So, you know, to take the good with the bad, I always say. And I think Bullseye 1, despite its difficulty and its unplayability, if the audience can scream suggestions, not really makes for a good game. So that, that's, that's really, I, there's nothing else I can talk about other than 
the the set looked like it really was just here's this weird square there's seven lines on a giant triangle pointing to something that looks like the target logo and the display price is something like clock game complete with bob barker looking at some card and says audience shh like that's it it not that fun to talk about but hey i mean the guests are hanging lower it, it, that 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 goes on the clock game speaking of clock game that's going to be the next game we're talking about here on the prices pricing game spotlight and uh that's gonna do it for this episode we didn't have any questions uh to answer hope you guys have a great uh new year's day it's one of my favorite days of the year because you celebrate by sleeping or eating chips or falling asleep whatever you do i hope you have a very merry 2019 uh join us next week for a brand new game show to talk about is it new is it old is it borrowed is it blue i have no clue Uh, until then everyone let's give a big smooch Mwah!